Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Watchmen Minute. Hey everybody, I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Reel and The Marvel Movie Minute. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel and The Marvel Movie Minute. Hey, welcome back, uh, Andy and Pete. How you doing? Great. Thank you for having us. What a great set of minutes. Yes. Well, well, you and you guys have just knocked it out of the park, so not too much pressure. It's an easy set of minutes to talk about because yeah, right? there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. Cool. Yeah, and uh, this is Friday uh, with Minute 21, and it starts with the Band-Aids hugging and ends with a bus pulling in at the top of the ramp. Okay, let me start by saying this minute sucks because it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> How did we get this? This is like, this is, we're coming back next week. Screw it. Bumper. <laughs> Who's here next week? They're not, they're uninvited. Whoever you are, bump. Take a seat. Bump. They're the Matt Damon of this we, show. We, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Matt Damon. We want Damon. to talk about the buzz people. Okay, first, band aids. Andy? <laughs> Yes. No, it's, you know, I love these band-aids. I mean, <laughs> I really do. But this is, this is what I was talking about last, uh, in the last minute. They're band-aids until all of a sudden somebody famous is driving by. And yeah. here we have Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> getting driven by and they freak out. They're like, Ozzy, Ozzy. And they just like totally like run up to the car and they're hitting the windows and all this stuff. And, and Polexia is just like, don't you remember me? And it's like all this sort of stuff. It's me, Polexia, as if he remembers. I, I love that it's like this it, it's a great defining moment of kind of the of fandom and how excited they can be and uh, where that fine line is between band-aids and groupies i think it's great 
But you know what I love e- even more than that is that when you look at this scene and you look at what uh, they these the two of them are doing, uh, Penny is not. Penny is the stoic. Yeah. Penny yes. is the one who changed the game. Penny should run a school on this stuff, and she's the one who is a Band-Aid. Everybody else is still a groupie. They just aren't finished learning yet. They haven't blossomed. Much you have to learn. That's right. <laughs> These little bad ones. Have to learn. That's right. And according according to Estrella, she is she did teach a school. Like she last minute, she's yeah. like, you know, she she had the you know, she taught everybody. What does she say? She has a line or she she used to run a school for band-aids. It's yeah. like Yeah. I don't even know what that means. From this? <laughs> yeah. Either these girls were not in that school or <laughs> right. or we know that Penny, while she's an exceptional band-aid, yes, she is not a great teacher. How about right. that? Exactly. Oh, so funny. Well, and my note is is that they're very excited for the, for that moment, but then they go back to being very casual yes. and laissez-faire and stoic, like you, like you say a little bit. Yeah. Yes. And what I find so interesting in this minute is, you know, earlier we had uh, we had Freddie who kind of told uh, he he did not want William to be around, and he said. Mm-hmm go back to the top of the ramp with the other girls. And then, but when it comes time and this, I mean, I know I'm jumping to kind of later in the minute, but when it comes time to letting the girls in, because Sapphire managed to get in apparently with Ozzy and because they saw her in the car, she comes out, she's got passes for everybody. And, and, you know, and, and Freddie's like totally, he's okay with it. And it's, it's this world that I think, I don't know, I find really interesting. And I think certainly there was this world that existed where, these these band-aids or groupies however you wanted to find them if they if they had the right means to 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 find the pass that could get them in the freddies of the world would let them in but the freddies of the world were very uh you know they they had their watchdogs out for people like william who just didn't fit and I, I don't know. I find it really interesting in this minute that he still has it out for William. He's like, oh, no, no, not you. <laughs> I love it. I think it's just really fantastic. Um, and, and so you mentioned, um, you know, Sapphire, Sapphire in the car and the limo. Mm-hmm. With Ozzy. Yes. And, and, she, uh, and speaking of great entrances. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. This is an, another fantastic entrance. And this is the sort of a different kind of royalty. Yeah. It's more the Amadeus style of royalty. <laughs> <laughs> and what it's referencing is Robert Plant. Yes. In concert. Which I never realized. And until, and, and this is why, honestly, I really love these movies by minutes shows because you find opportunities to to glean this information that otherwise would have passed you by. Just because I wasn't, enough of a fan of kind of like Mm -hmm. the music world and i didn't know that there was this whole element of robert plant and this does anybody remember laughter line that he would say in concerts i think that's really interesting stuff i do too i think it's fantastic what but i'm not i'm i'm not up on like what he what he meant by it right what does he mean by that and how did that start um well (laughs) you know let, let me say first though for me personally though it, it, it passed me by as well. You know, even though I had seen, you know, it's, I mean, there's, there's, there's the Zeppelin concert uh, footage. Um, uh, now, why, why have all of a sudden I'm blanking on the name like of the it. song oh, remains the same. Yeah, the song remains the same. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I 
my understanding is it's it's in there, you know, and I know I've seen that. Um, yeah, but right, right. It, it's not something that st- stood out and was repeated for me, um, uh, for, for any anyone in my friends group or anything like that. Had I re- ever really uh, uh, heard that repeated, you know, um, certainly not like it's all happening. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of those lines that yeah. I, it, it's such an odd line to kind of say often in a concert. And uh, I don't know, and just kind of reading about it, it sounds like when they were actually releasing a DVD of of the concert, he actually wanted the engineer to remove the line because he, uh, he found mm. it to be embarrassing at that point. Yeah. But the but the, <laughs> the engineer is like, but everybody is expecting you to say it. You have to. It has to be in there. And so I think it's so funny that that it's a it's something that he just started saying. Apparently, I mean that's my understanding is he just mm-hmm. kind of started saying it during Stairway to Heaven because he's got the line and the forest will echo with laughter, and and he would throw that out and it became this thing and everybody wanted it to be there. And I don't know, I I find it to be an interesting, <laughs> uh, just kind of a, one of those like asterisks in the world of rock and roll that you kind of hear about. And it's like I don't know, I find. When she comes out and says it, I just think that it, you know, for them, it's also this asterisk. It's something that they know about that a lot of people don't know about. But here she is throwing that line out there, and I don't know. I just think it's it's cool that it's in there, and it. it I think it goes to show Cameron Crowe. He is a guy who understands rock and roll. He's been around it. He was a writer, and he's kind of putting these in the movie um, because it was part of his life, but also because it is his own asterisk, asterisk that he's throwing in here for people who were fans of all of that stuff. Yeah, it's credibility building for him as Certainly. a writer-director. Yeah. Um, so I have come across at least this like one little back and forth between a couple people in a forum who say, you know, one person says, I think maybe, does anybody remember laughter means something like, in this time of spiritual darkness and cold irony, we have lost the childlike gift of laughter. Um, okay. And, and then, then goes on. And what do we make of this, whether medicated or otherwise? <laughs> and another person, you know, says this is also my take on it. You know, so there's a couple of people out there talking about this. You know, you know, you know, trying trying to stay youthful. I think is another maybe another way to put it. You know? Well, and that certainly works for the scene. Yeah. Uh, it it sounds like Mick Wall. Uh, captures the story that Andy just told in his book, When Giants Walk the Earth, a biography of Led Zeppelin. And that's going to be the definitive, non-speculative <laughs> story of the line. <laughs> and that Robert Plant hates it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But you know he's old, right? <laughs> right. He probably doesn't even know what it means anymore. <laughs> Oh, so funny. It's a great line. Yeah. It's a great line, and it's a great introduction for Sapphire. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is really fun in this moment, is that it it's used as this opportunity to introduce uh, Sapphire. Not just, I, I should say, not just the line, but the fact that we are introduced to her by her feet. I, I love that when she <laughs> yeah. bursts through the, the door at the bottom of the ramp, it's we, we see her, like, just those those thick you know she's she's really wearing and wearing them well those those glorious 70s uh, just those shoes with just those incredibly big 
heels, you know, it's just a really cool shoes. And then Feruza Balk, just kind of shouting that line out and inviting everybody in. It's like the welcoming, <laughs> the welcome call that they were all waiting. It's great. Well, that's just like, that's just instinctively good John Toll camera stuff, right? I mean, that's like being able to capture that line in that position uh, with her in that just body shape. And for him to start at her feet is, is it's, it's that incredible reveal. It's just such a strong use of camera and movement and height. And she's not a tall person, but she feels like she's about 24 stories tall. Yeah, right. What do you guys take on Feruza Balk? Do you guys uh, like her? And does she work as one of these, uh, these band-aids for you guys? I, I think personality wise between, you know, we've already been talking a bit about, uh, you know, uh, the three, the three others we've, we've had some, some takes on them. And, and this is just another different personality in the group that, 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 that she's more this, uh, darker one in a sense. I think this, she has this darker sense about her, the, um, yet at the same time, she has this amazing intro of herself, um, to us in the movie. Um, but also to the, the other, uh, band-aids. And what's interesting, she is older, like actually as the actress, she is older Mm -hmm. than the other ones. Um, But she also comes across as an older Band-Aid, but Mm -hmm. not necessarily like the leader. And and I think that's interesting because Kate Hudson as Penny Lane still kind of carries that mantle as kind of the one who really is the one who's behind this grouping of these Mm Band-Aids. Sapphire definitely feels like she's kind of under that still still but but definitely feels like she's an older one and so maybe she's like second in command if we're putting this in rankings yeah. or something she, she, she's Riker to <laughs> right <laughs> penny lane's picard right no, <laughs> sapphire one, is the right go, go out and do the group. away mission with black sabbath <laughs> and get us into their base the black sabbath away mission i love that i'd love to see that star trek episode <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, for for his Balk, though, I mean, and I, I, I know I saw it in the theater, Return to Oz. Oh, me too. I was, yep. I was of that age. I loved Wizard of Oz when I was a kid, especially, and, and, uh, it came out right at the right time for me. And it wasn't scary like everyone else I've, I've been hearing lately <laughs> for me. <laughs> I didn't find it that scary. Well, I actually rewatched it really recently with mm-hmm. my kids because I'm, mm-hmm. I, my recollection of it was it was enjoyable. And actually, yeah. um, Marvel, this is kind of a weirdly tangential to our own show, but Marvel had done a really fantastic and beautiful series of The Wizard of Oz where they adapted a lot of the the books that uh, Frank L. Baum had written. And, um, and, and so I read through that whole book with my my son, just kind of going through uh, and really kind of exploring the world of Oz. We had such a great time reading those comics. And so then we watched Return to Oz. And I will say, it gets a lot of flack, but they actually, it, I mean, yes, it's not what you get out of The Wizard of Oz from 1939 with Judy Garland, which is its own special thing. But Return to Oz... They actually, I felt, captured a lot of what uh, what Baum had put into uh, kind of his stories. I think that there's a lot there still. And so, you know, people can say what they will about it. But when you actually look at the stories, there's a lot there that, that they captured. And I think Feruza Balk actually works really well in that film as a young Dorothy. So take that, haters. 
I've never <laughs> seen it. I, yeah, <laughs> I've never seen Return to Oz. In fact, I'd be hard pressed to know that. I mean, I'm sure we talked about it when we talked about Wizard of Oz on some level. But maybe I, I, no, I can't remember. I yeah. just have no memory of memory of it. Yeah, there were there were so many different variations of the Wizard of Oz. I feel like we probably mentioned it when we we're talking about different versions of it that had come out. But uh... but seriously, you guys saved from a psychiatric experiment by a mysterious girl. Dorothy is somehow <laughs> called back to Oz. One of a psychiatric. It's what dark. Oz it's... is this? <laughs> no, it's it's the real world. It's like a dark real world where she kind of. The way that she gets to Oz, it's a dark journey. <laughs> Let's just say. Oh my God, Walter Murch, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, good old Feruza. Uh, you know, it's funny because she's an actress who I feel like when she's in films like The Craft, mm-hmm. in my head I feel like that's the real Feruza, and I don't know yeah. if that's true or not, but she has turned into an actress who just feels like that type of character, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, she probably didn't even have, she didn't audition for the craft. It was written for her. <laughs> um, one of the weirdest things I see on Wikipedia is the, the uh, some, something I've been watching, I've watched a few different bands on, on uh, the NPR Tiny Desk concert uh, just in yeah. the past month or two. But apparently there's this, emo puppet band called fragile rock <laughs> and they really? performed a song entitled feruza Bok. <laughs> on it on, oh on my god fragile rock <laughs> yes i am sad and so am i oh i am here for this fragile rock <laughs> i I have to look into this now. This just this, yeah, (laughs) great stuff. Fragile rock, (laughs) so good. (laughs) But but it seems like uh, you know she does. uh, She's done some other things besides acting. You know, there's there's uh, you know uh, music and uh, art, uh, sculpture. It sounds like Um, you know pretty interesting um, um, uh, person as as you know with with uh, acting. You know, a big part of her her uh, life, but um, some other cool stuff too. Can't say I've seen too much of what she's done. I mean, I I, I couldn't have told you that she was on one episode of Sopranos, even, but uh, she apparently was. Um. <laughs> well, yeah, she's she's an interesting I, she's an interesting actress that I have seen in not a lot of stuff, except for like her big things, like. American History X. I definitely remember her in that. And the Waterboy, I like I didn't remember she was in the Waterboy, but uh certainly she was. Um and so she's she's one of those performers who I think uh you know she she's in well and actually I think at this point in her career I feel like she's in projects that she finds interesting, not doing it because she's you know just trying to get uh, paychecks. And cuz she's just not doing a lot of acting. I think she's probably very much the artist who does stuff that you know appeals to her and so to that and i i you know certainly respect her i don't i i don't watch a lot of her films but i think she's a very interesting actress i think she works really well as a band-aid i think she's mm-hmm. a great uh, casting choice by cameron crowe
and uh, back to her as a Band-Aid, Sapphire gives William the nickname that we hear almost mm. immediately, but elsewhere, certainly in the movie, uh, Opie. Right. Which which yeah. is the uh, the Ron Howard character that he played uh, as a child on uh, Andy Griffith's show. Yes, yes. Back oh, in the Opie. 50s and early 60s. It's a, it's a fitting nickname. Yeah. I think it works really well in context of his character. And it's funny that she she identifies that so quickly with him. You know, earlier we had, like when Polexi arrives, we have Penny saying, you know, this is our journalist friend. Well, at least in the uh, the untitled version. Uh, so there's kind of that introduction. Um, here, I feel like she clicks right away with this and she gets a sense of his age and mm-hmm. you know, the journalist side doesn't matter. She just gets a sense of this eager beaver person who's in front of her and instantly identifies him as this young Opie. Well, and, and I, she doesn't get the, she doesn't, she doesn't get the introduction either. Right. Exactly. You know, right. It's, so it's she just too hectic. <laughs> yeah. At this doorway. Well, she was with Ozzy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. right. Also, sometimes I call Cameron Crow other Ron Howard. Oh, it all comes around. It, it all gets a circle of, of Opie. I want to know what, what's Ron Howard number four. <laughs> <laughs> Oi. Bring it around. Just bring it, bring it around. around. That's right. Ron Howard number four. <laughs> Still funny. Still funny. <laughs> Loving those callbacks. Yeah, and, and then uh, the other girls really just uh, you know Penny and Plessia, not Estrella. They seem to be willing to try to help get William backstage. Yeah, Plessia. I mean, or no, sorry, um, uh, Estrella. I mean, she just takes off like she she yeah. sees that open door. She clearly well, and as we saw when when Ozzy drove around the corner. She was like one of the two who just like started, you know, pounding on the door and everything. So as soon as, as as soon as the opportunity presents itself, yeah, she bolts mm-hmm. down that thing to go inside. She's super excited. And yeah, and weirdly, yeah, it's open. She uh, that that Penny is kind of last. I guess this is her. This is her level of groupiness. Insofar as she was able to stay the stoic for the the initial round of groupiness. Her making the run for the door is is like her level of enthusiasm when when the teacher mm-hmm. becomes the student once again. Yeah, right. And, and she makes her way back just a little bit in order to get yep. uh, get a hold of William's hand. Well, mm-hmm. how how does that work for you guys? Does that do you guys feel that there had already been this connection, or is it just because kind of that eager youth that that Penny sees in him that? Mm-hmm. Kind of because I I don't think that these band aids probably largely would like if this was say Lester <laughs> would, would would Penny be grabbing onto his arm to drag him down with her or is it yeah. just the fact that this is this eager young fan and she sees that in his face is that what it is what do you guys think Oh I I think so absolutely and I think this. This sets us up for an incredibly important callback later. And so uh, the the case that I make here is that um, as a Band-Aid, we have a certain impression about what these girls are going to do when they go to the other side of that door. And uh, at the very top of the list is get distracted by how awesome it is and forget that they just left the 15-year-old poser journalist outside. And 
Uh, so we have this little tease of a connection that gives us a thread, something to hold on to that says maybe there's hope. Maybe there's hope that she is one that's for real because we don't necessarily trust the others. And that's what makes it so much more important, that little tiny moment that comes minutes later when she actually returns with the pass that he obviously doesn't need, but it tells us worlds about how different she is from everybody else. I think it's incredibly important. It works so well for me. And it really does end up setting this uh, love story in place that we get this, this draw that Mm -hmm. William has to Penny, despite this kind of, uh, you know, the fact that she is drawn to uh, to Stillwater and, and kind of has that own uh, love affair with uh, with the guitar player that we haven't met yet, but we're very shortly about to um, mm-hmm. as as, uh, as Russell kind of makes an appearance soon. But I, I think that it's very important that we establish this moment here. And I don't know. Uh, I mean, Eric, you it sounds like you might have have a little more sense of kind of uh, the the women in Cameron Crowe's life that kind of drew him in that that he was kind of referencing to kind of come up with the character of Penny Lane. Uh, did a moment similar to this happen where one of them like mm. kind of helped him get through the door? Did you find anything like that that Ooh, kind of he yeah, used not... to? Yeah, I don't remember hearing anything. Yeah, I'm not aware of any anything quite like quite like that. I mean, that, that's I mean, it's it's certainly possible. You know, yeah, that, 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 there's nothing illogical about uh you know uh any, any of this happening right here so it's certainly possible but um yeah i mean it's it's just just, just the, the whether it's the real penny lane or one or one of the other one or two or three maybe at the most i think um uh women that were groupies or band-aids um that uh you know that he hung out with quite a bit you know but didn't you know, I, I think it's 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 a weird thing for a teenager, for a fifteen-year-old, <laughs> to be coming into that, uh, a, a, especially as a man and not as a woman. As a woman, it's a little more understandable. They they do certainly mature quicker than men um, at that age. Um, yeah. But for a fifteen-year-old guy, you know, s- seeing a girl that they're attracted to, you know, but they seem to have hots for someone else um that that's certainly a a, a pretty big uh, issue and uh we definitely see it really play out and you know um over the whole course of the movie um how that works out for itself that uh you know he can get past that and and hopefully hopefully for the real Cameron crow you know he he was able to navigate those waters <laughs> Pretty well without, so, without getting without getting so bummed out at points like he does in this movie <laughs> by the fact that, that uh things aren't quite going as as the way he would hope them to yeah right right i i think it's interesting just you look at alternative histories that that yeah. kate hudson came in to to read for a different role of one of the other band-aids yeah. what well, well actually would, she was uh, actually was up it? for she was going to be the sister Oh, oh, the sister. Yes. Oh, ah, yeah, that's crazy. But then I, 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 I cannot imagine some that. of the other people were for Penny Lane. But when one of them dropped out, then they realized, oh, okay, we need to, we need to have Kate Hudson be this yeah. part. And then, um, well, actually, ooh, ooh, 
Yeah. I'm thinking about Zoe Deschanel, though. Can't remember if maybe she was going to be Pennywise. Oh man, I'm gonna have to look this up again here shortly. That would be that would be really interesting too to see Zoe Deschanel in that role. Uh, yeah, her just she's just so perfect in that sort of wide-eyed mm-hmm. stewardess thing. Um, but you know, you know, Crow has the same sort of of awakening to to Kate Hudson as as we do, right? That that he, I mean, it, he writes that she was a revelation possesses a great combination of sexiness, charm, and confidence, and vulnerability that could just as easily describe Penny Lane. Uh, But at least here he doesn't say who that really is. As a director, you put the camera on her and you never want to cut away. You just want to watch her. Well, yeah, that's it. Yep. So true. Magnetic. Yeah, it's a... Strong way to go. I can't, gosh, I can't imagine her as the sister, especially yeah. because Zoe and yeah. uh, Patrick, they both, like when their eyes are really wide, <laughs> their eyes are really wide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they've got great big eyes. And so it feels very familial. I, I really enjoyed the pair of them as brother and sister. Um, so, you know, they they don't get him in with them. And he is dejected again. And I just got to say, dejected before the look on Freddie's face when he closes that door. Man, he just is enjoying that way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that whole not him. That's uh, that's a good good line. That's that point. Not him. And he just pulls the door closed with that like smile and nod, like. Yeah, I'm only sad that we don't get to be here for his comeuppance. (laughs) (laughs) And then sadly, we meet the bus, but we don't get to see who's on it. You know, I I have to say something I love about this moment that I don't think I ever picked up on until I until watching it minute at a time and just kind of looking at it so much. As he's walking up the ramp and the bus, it, it sounds like a clunky bus. Like it yeah, doesn't right. sound healthy as it kind of pulls up and we see it kind of enter the frame. As it kind of applies its brakes, right. it interestingly sounds like kind of a drum beat. Like we're starting to get this beat, like kind of this introduction of somebody important. Like it's kind of kicking in. I, I Something about that I really think is, I, I feel like that had to be something in the sound design when uh, Cameron Crowe is putting it together deeply intentional yeah yeah absolutely the timing of the way the bus enters the frame as it shrinks around the horizon of this ramp too is is so satisfying visually yes it works beautifully and yes i I just love that movement it yeah it's a great entrance largely because of the sound design but also you're right the timing of it is just impeccable. Plus you get that great like last moment of Patrick at, at the bottom of the steps as, as he's kind of looking and kind of expectantly at the door, nothing happens. And he just kind totally. of like turns his head and it's almost like that. Like, Ugh, this didn't work yeah. out. Sort of <laughs> right, like, right. You know, I guess I'll of, go back to mom. Yep. <laughs> go wait for the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great moment. Um, uh, one uh, additional thing to mention about the bus at this point, it does have its name later that we find out much later. We can, we can go ahead and start referring to it now. And unfortunately you guys won't, won't get to any much longer, but, um, but throughout the rest, maybe, uh, Doris. Right. 
Right. <laughs> was that a thing? Did you find out, like, is this something that the different rock stars would do with their buses? Would they name them like ships? Because <laughs> I never like ships or old, like, or airplanes, right? Yeah. The Betty yeah. May. The, yeah. Well, and, and I've even had, I've had friends, especially like in high school, but, you know, even more recently, I believe too, um, that, that have named their cars. So. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a thing. It is a thing. So. Um, what, what, what else are you going to do while you're riding on the bus, <laughs> but come up with a name for it? Right. So true. Like Especially that. in this time, because it's not like, like these guys, they would charter a bus and that bus would take them around the whole time. It's not like they had been in a position yet. I don't think where they they just had a bus that was always their bus right Mm -hmm. because i think that becomes different like like a a band that would be regularly traveling with their own bus and driver that would be kind of on their payroll it would always be the same bus i feel like they're still in a a point where it's a different bus each each season oh oh the it's like uh it's like musical buses Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah because they're just charting it for the season right yeah, right. So they leave their mark on the bus. Yeah. It's probably that was, that was my Doris in there somewhere. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also, very interestingly, uh, the technically at the end of this minute, um, very near the end of this minute, uh, the song ends as well. The uh, song that's been playing ever since the very beginning of this week, Teacher by Jethro Tull. And again, going back to the timing of the song, and I can't help but feel like it's something that Cameron Crowe really used effectively in finding those moments. Like there were some moments in the last minute and even in this minute where where Penny Lane is, she'll have a line or something and it feels like the way that the guitar is hitting, it's emphasizing her line. I can't help but feel like Cameron Crowe really positioned the song so that we had those moments hitting at those right points. Yeah, we get that last little bit of guitar as the door closes. And then that's like a chapter just ended. We're on to a new thing. And the bus introduces us to a new thing, both a new visual element and a new, as you said, a new sound design element that takes us into this next era, the next chapter. Yeah. The next chapter in William's life, for sure. <laughs> um, so that uh, that might, I, I guess, wrap it up here for Friday. Um, uh is that all you have? You guys have, or you feel like you've talked about everything? I think so I think uh, I think I've hit all my points. Lots yeah, of stuff. That's to what talk I got. Certainly, certainly. I will actually one thing that I did written out. I just have to point out the fantastically painted blue bus that's kind of on the other yeah, side of this right, ramp yeah. that we see. <laughs> I don't know whose bus that is, but I feel like they're probably people who you want to be friends with. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the Scooby gang. Yeah, right. It's almost the Mystery Machine kind of stuff. The Mystery Machine, right. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. That was my last thing. Um, So uh, I'd like to ask you both, and actually, uh, Pete, if you're you're up for it this time uh, to go first, um, what is your history with this movie? You know, the first time you saw it, and have um, have there been a bunch of multiple viewings, or... Yeah, you know, right. I think uh, right when it was released for home, I immediately picked it up. It's one I've had in my collection, and it, and it's one of the movies that I 
uh, that I put on when I'm not watching it as well as when I'm watching it, you know? <laughs> like, it's just a movie that I like because I like the atmosphere so much. Um, I, uh, I just really found a connection to Philip Seymour Hoffman and his craziness yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I find uh, Patrick Fugit's character, I, I just find it deeply aspirational. And, uh, you know, as a guy who spent a lot of years writing and looking to be mm-hmm. published, and there was a time when, you know, getting words in the Rolling Stone would have been, uh, in in that particular magazine would have been of of particular note. So it just it sort of takes me to a a, a place where uh, I can kind of insert myself into it and and just feel good uh, about that space. Not to mention the fact that there isn't a single you know performance in here that doesn't feel like uh, I, I want to be friends with these people. Like I want to hang with them. I want to be a part of of their experience. I want to. You know, I, I I love it when the movie can just take me to a different place like this, and and this is one of those movies. Yeah, wow, very good. Um, so and then Andy, yeah, I history. I probably saw this opening weekend when it came out in uh, in September, um, two thousand. Um, it was in that period where I was, uh, you know, catching like everything that would come out opening weekend. And it just totally, I mean, Cameron Crowe, uh, you know, the the different people involved, uh, I think largely were all people I was excited about. Um, m- maybe not so much like uh, Kate Hudson or Patrick Fugit, because I hadn't heard of them. But oh, like well, Billy yeah. Crudup, Francis McDormand, Jason Lee, uh, they were all people, even Anna Paquin and Frusa Balk and Noah Taylor. I mean, they're all people that I had seen, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And loved. I, I really enjoyed the the types of projects that they were doing, and so seeing them in a Cameron Crowe movie, it certainly is something that just would appeal to me. And and again, this was kind of that period, like post uh, kind of uh, kind of post high school, where I started getting into all the rock music and everything, and and really exploring and really getting into classic rock and listening to all this music. And so when this movie came out, and it took place in '73 it just it fit in kind of line with that type of music that i wanted to be listening to and just mm-hmm. loved kind of that that whole drive i i instantly fell in love with this movie i just think i i really fell in love with these characters and everything and and yeah it's just it's something that i i mean i sadly i don't think i put on as often as i probably would like to like revisiting it mm-hmm. for this show i'm like oh man i need to be watching this more because this movie just i really connect with it it's just great characters it, it kind of the exploration of creativity and how people from all walks of life can really find a connection to it i just i think it's a really powerful film and i'm, I'm glad to have had a chance to revisit it for the purposes of this show yeah that's great it's really, it's really great to remind you going through it minute by minute. I, I, I find that it's, it's rewarding to do this and still like the movie. Sometimes yeah. I worry about looking at a movie a minute at a time. It'll just from, it'll just un- unleash all of the crap that's going on in the movie. And it turns <laughs> out this, this movie lives up to it. I still feel good even after watching these three minutes, one minute at a time. Good, definitely glad to hear that. Um, so yeah, so this was uh, Friday, and we're so glad to have uh, uh, Andy and Pete on. Um, one last time, real quick, uh, give out your uh, your uh, plugs, your your links, uh, URLs, what have you, to 
Yeah, certainly. Uh, people can find us. Uh, you know, the Next Real Film Podcast is is a kind of our main source of everything, thenextreel.com and marvelmovieminute.com. Um, both of those you can kind of connect to our shows. And uh, if you just search for either of those on any podcast platform, you're going to run into them. And uh, check them out. One of them is talking about movies from, you know, the silent era all the way up to modern films. Uh, and the other one is, is very specifically Marvel, but we have fun uh, talking about movies in both, uh, both shows. So check them out. Great. Um, so, and then, uh, my own, my own, uh, previous one, uh, one show, uh, was, uh, Watchmen Minute. Uh, and you can find that just by Googling or looking, looking, uh, put, putting that in into your, uh, podcatcher of choice. Um, and then, uh, what should have already started coming out earlier in this year was uh, feels like Weezer with uh, uh, Zach Frecking Smith, and uh, you know that's going through Weezer one uh, track at a time in chronological order for that show, um, and then we definitely have to give the big shout out uh, to the moviesbyminutes dot com and the uh, the grandfather of of that of that type of of this type of uh, podcast. Uh, Star Wars Minute by uh, Pete and Pete and Alex over there. Um, so thanks to those guys who who started this whole crazy thing. Um, so this was uh, Minute Twenty One here on Friday. We'll be back next week for Minute Twenty Two on Monday. Until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. It's all happening. I am a golden god. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.